Welcome back to Spoonful of Sugar. In today's episode, MS3 Kate Spencer from the Drexel University College of Medicine is back to host a review on disorders of the thyroid. Hope you enjoy. Hey, future doctors, thanks for tuning in to Spoonful of Sugar, a podcast made for medical students by medical students to help the medicine go down. My name is Kate Spencer, a third year student at Drexel University College of Medicine, and I will be your host today. So today we're going to review diseases of the thyroid. I'm going to go over the diseases one by one, give y'all some little tips on how to remember them, other little pearls that I'm also going to ask you questions and allow you a few seconds to answer before I give them away to help you study. So the first thing that I wanted to go over is a good tie into embryology, as I know we all just love embryology. Um, By saying that, I was not a fan of embryology myself. But anyways. So imagine that you have a patient that comes in concerned about an anterior midline neck mass that on physical examination, um, you notice that when the patient swallows, the mass moves. What do you guys think this is? So if you said a theraglossal duct cyst, you are correct. Um, recall that in development, the thyroid initially starts out at the base of the tongue and then descends into the neck. The duct that guides this process normally goes away, but in some people it may persist and therefore we get a thyroid glossal duct cyst. Um, okay, so our next patient, this is another embryology tie-in. So our next patient presents with the mass at the base of the tongue. You biopsy it, send it to pathology, and find out that it's normal thyroid tissue. So you choose to remove it, and then your patient follows up a while later with weight gain, fatigue, cold intolerance, brittle hair, brittle nails. Um, What was that mass that you removed called? So this is a lingual thyroid. And like we just said, remember that in development, the thyroid arises from the base of the tongue and then descends into the neck. And so... In people with a lingual thyroid, you need to be really careful about removing it because it might actually be the only thyroid tissue that those patients have. Okay, so next we're going to talk about hyperthyroidism. So can you all tell me how a patient with hyperthyroidism would present? So these patients are going to present with weight loss despite increased appetite, heat intolerance, sweating, tachycardia, arrhythmia, tremor, anxiety, insomnia, heightened emotions, diarrhea with malabsorption, oligomenorrhea, bone resorption, decreased muscle mass with weakness, and then hypocholesterolemia. Recall that the thyroid hormone kind of just ramps up the body. So T3, the active thyroid hormone, increases synthesis of the sodium-potassium pumps, increasing basal metabolic rate. T3 also activates fibroblasts, which then release glucosaminoglycans, which is why we can also get pretibial myxedema and exophthalmos in Graves' disease. So also in these patients, their sympathetic nervous system is increased due to the increased activity of the beta-1 adrenergic receptors. And so think about TSH, T3, and T4. And imagine we have a patient with primary hyperthyroidism. What are these levels going to be in them? 
So TSH is going to be low, T3 and then T4 are going to be high. And then in secondary hyperthyroidism, TSH is going to be high, T3 is going to be high, and T4 is going to be high. So moving on, what is the most common cause of hyperthyroidism? Do you all know? So if you said Graves' disease, you are correct. And what causes Graves' disease? So Graves' disease is caused by IgG autoantibodies to the TSH receptor. And let's tie in some immunology. We're getting embryology. We're getting immunology now. Um, What type of hypersensitivity is Graves' disease? So I'm talking type 1, type 2, type 3, or type 4. So if you said type 2, you are correct. Uh, Type 2 hypersensitivities involve antibodies against a self-antigen. And I personally remember this because type 2 hypersensitivity, there are two things, the antibody and the antigen, whereas in type 3 hypersensitivity, we have three things, the antibody, the antigen, and the complement, which all together create an immune complex. So hopefully that helps somebody. And so, right, in Graves' disease, we're going to see anti-TSH receptor antibodies binding to and activating the TSH receptor leading to increased synthesis and release of both T3 and T4, and then get all the symptoms that come with the release of thyroid hormone. Do you know which HLA subtypes are associated with Graves' disease? So if you said HLA-DR3 or HLA-B8, you are correct. And then what are some other diseases that are associated with DR3? So they're Hashimoto's thyroiditis, SLE, type 1 diabetes, and Addison disease. So patients with Graves' disease are going to present with a diffuse goiter due to thyroid hyperplasia and then just thyroid hypertrophy due to constant stimulation of that gland. And then... Another question for you guys, what population do we normally see Graves' disease in? So if you said women of childbearing age, you are correct. As with most autoimmune diseases, um, it is more prevalent in women. Okay. Now, my next question might be one of the most important things to remember in terms of Graves' disease. So histologically, how are we going to describe Graves' disease? So we're typically going to describe it as having tall, crowded follicular cells surrounded by, or I'm so sorry, with scallop colloid in the middle. And so remember that the follicular cells in a normal thyroid follicle have their, the follicular cells, and then in the middle is just a bunch of colloid. And so the way my pathology professor described it is really good, and it's helped me remember it for a few years. And so hopefully if I share it with you guys, it'll help. But she kind of said, to imagine that all these little follicles, follicular cells are just kind of sticking straws into the colloid and they're just sucking it up so fast before more colloid can be produced. So if you're at your computer, can pull up your phone, look a picture of scalloped colloid and you can kind of see how um, the colloid's in the middle and it has little bits of emptiness right around the edges where the follicular cells are. Okay, and so then... My last question about Graves' disease is what is a potential fatal complication of Graves' disease? 
So if you said Thyroid Storm, you are correct. Uh, Thyroid Storm is a massive release of thyroid hormone in uncontrolled graves. Usually happens in response to stress such as childbirth, infection, or surgery. So the next thing I want to talk about is hypothyroidism. And kind of before I do that, I wanted to talk about some cute granulomatous thyroiditis, which is also called decorbane thyroiditis. And so I want to discuss it first because um, it actually has a period of both hyper and hypothyroidism. It's kind of in the middle there. So with this, there's really one main thing that I want you guys to remember, um, and that is that it's really painful. And so first aid remembers or has a mnemonic for this is pain rhymes with decorvain. Um, does anybody know what typically causes decorvain thyroiditis? So if you said viral infection, you are correct. And the way I remember it, it might be a long shot, but I remember it's viral because there's a V in corvain. That helps me and that might help some of you. So it's going to present as a transient hyperthyroidism. And in most cases, it is going to resolve, but it can progress to hypothyroidism. So I just kind of remember that as the thyroid gets really, really angry and inflamed and just kind of in a bit of fury, it just releases all of its hormone. So next, just talking about purely hypothyroid diseases. So how would someone with purely hypothyroidism present? So these pa- these patients are going to present with cold intolerance, decreased sweating, weight gain, bradycardia, dyspnea on exertion, lethargy, a depressed mood, decreased reflexes, and constipation. And so compared to hyperthyroidism, everything is just going to be toned down and decreased in hypothyroidism. So I want to discuss Rydell fibrosing thyroiditis. Does anybody know exactly what this is? So this is chronic inflammation of the gland leading to excessive fibrosis. And eventually the thyroid is just going to become replaced by fibrous tissue and inflammatory infiltrate. So it's often described as hard as wood, but it's not tender um, as opposed to decorvain thyroiditis, which is painful. Um, Rydell fibrosing thyroiditis can invade local structures, and clinically, this mimics a type of cancer we're going to talk about soon called anaplastic carcinoma of the thyroid. But Rydell fibrosing thyroiditis does not have malignant cells. So next was congenital hypothyroidism, and it's also called cretinism. Do you know what the most common cause of congenital hypothyroidism is? So um, just a complete lack of the thyroid gland. Um, In iodine deficient areas of the world, it can be also caused by abnormal thyroid hormone synthesis. And so what do we typically see in patients with congenital hypothyroidism? So I remember it as the six P's. So the first P is pot-bellied. The second P is pale. Then the third P is puffy face. The fourth P is a protruding umbilicus. The fifth P is a protuberant tongue. And the sixth P is poor brain development. 
So the next cause of hypothyroidism is the most common cause in iodine-sufficient areas. Do you guys know what this is? So if you said Hashimoto thyroiditis, you are correct. Hashimoto thyroiditis is autoimmune thyroiditis. It may initially present as hyperthyroidism as the follicles get damaged. I kind of think of them getting damaged and the immune cells poke little holes in them and they're releasing their um, thyroid hormone from the damage. Um, And then it's eventually going to progress to hypothyroidism. Um, The patient is typically going to present with hypothyroidism and then having a non-tender enlarged thyroid gland. So we did some labs and got some blood from this patient. What antibodies are you expected to see with Hashimoto thyroiditis? So we're going to see antithyroid peroxidase and antithyroglobin. Um, I actually just did a UR question on this, so stays relevant in third year. Um, and then which HLA allele is this associated with? So if you said HLA DR3, you are correct. And then lastly, what do we see on histology for Hashimoto thyroiditis? So we're going to see germinal centers in the thyroid tissue with Herthal cells. And do y'all know where we're supposed to find germinal centers? So we typically see them in like lymph nodes. Um, Iodine deficiency can be another cause of hypothyroidism. It's the most common cause of hypothyroidism worldwide. And so the last major topic is thyroid neoplasia. Um, There are five different types of thyroid neoplasia. So we have follicular adenoma, papillary carcinoma, follicular carcinoma, medullary carcinoma, and anaplastic carcinoma. So first is follicular adenoma. Um, A follicular adenoma is a benign proliferation of follicles. They are usually not functional, but they are surrounded by a fibrous capsule, which differs from our next neoplasia, which is follicular carcinoma. So in follicular carcinoma, um, we're going to get a malignant proliferation of follicles that invades through the fibrous capsule. Um, and for this, we cannot use a fine needle biopsy to diagnose it because a fine needle biopsy only examines the cells. And we need to also see if the malignant cells are invading the capsule. So um, in order to diagnose follicular carcinoma as paired to follicular adenoma, remember that you need to see if there's capsular invasion. This is very important and it comes up a lot because they're able to kind of quiz you on two different things. So um, these cancers typically invade vasculature and thus they are going to spread hematogenously. Luckily, they do have a decent prognosis. So next is papillary carcinoma. Um, This is one of the major risk factors for this is ionizing radiation in childhood. Do you guys know how this appears histologically? So if you said somoma bodies, orphan anti-nuclei, and nuclear grooves, you are correct. Um, First Aid has a really good mnemonic for this. It's happy and MoMA. 
adopted orphan Annie. And so for papillary carcinoma, somoma bodies, and then orphan Annie eye nuclei. So um, that helped me remember it. So I hope it helps you guys remember it. Um, This is the most prevalent type of thyroid cancer, but luckily it also does have a good prognosis. I also remember this as like the P cancer, and you'll see next that I have a C thyroid cancer. Um, And so I remember this one is the P cancer, uh, P for papillary carcinoma, P for somoma bodies, P for most prevalent, and then also good prognosis. Um, The next one is medullary carcinoma, and this is what I call the C cancer, and I'll get to that in a second. But um, does anybody know which cells are the cause of this malignancy? And I might have just given this away. We'll see. So it is a malignant proliferation of parafollicular C cells, which secrete calcitonin. Um, And so I call this the C cancer because of the C cells, the calcitonin, um, hypocalcemia, and then staining with Congo red. So recall that calcitonin deposits within the tumor as amyloid and then amyloid stains with Congo red. So the last thyroid neoplasm that we're going to talk about mimics Rydell fibrosing thyroiditis, but with malignant cells. Do y'all remember which one this is? So this is anaplastic carcinoma. It's going to present the very fast-growing neck mass that invades local structures, and it's going to cause dysphagia or problems breathing, and it has a very, very poor prognosis. Which patient population do you guys think that we normally see this in? So if you said older patients, you are correct. So that is it for the new content. Let's just do a little quick review, and then I'll send you guys on your way. Um, first question, where would we find a thyroglossal duct cyst? So remember that we're going to see this in the anterior neck and remember that they're going to move when the patient swallows. What about a lingual thyroid? Um, we are going to find this at the base of the tongue. Next. What causes Graves' disease and is Graves a form of hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism? So Graves is caused by IgG antibodies to the TSH receptor. It's a form of hyperthyroidism because the antibodies stimulate the thyroid to synthesize and release more hormone. What typically causes decorvain thyroiditis? Hopefully you remember my little trick here. So viral infection is normally going to cause decorvain thyroiditis. So remember the V in viral and the V in decorvain. Okay, so next we have a patient with a really hard enlarged thyroid gland, but it's not tender. We biopsy it and see no malignant cells. What is your diagnosis? So this is Rydell fibrosing thyroiditis. What is the most common cause of hypothyroidism in iodine-sufficient areas? This is Hashimoto thyroiditis. Remember that iodine deficiency can also be another cause of hypothyroidism, and this is going to be the most common cause of hypothyroidism worldwide. 
So how do we distinguish follicular adenoma from thyroid follicular carcinoma? So remember with this one, we have to see if it's invaded the fibrous capsule. What is the most common type of thyroid cancer? And another hint is a major risk factor for this one is exposure to ionizing radiation in childhood. So this is going to be papillary carcinoma. Remember, this is the one where we see the orphan anti nuclei and somoma bodies and then the nuclear grooving. Which thyroid cancer is a malignant proliferation of parafollicular C-cells? So this is thyroid medullary carcinoma. Remember, this is what I call the C-cancer because we have the C-cells that secrete calcitonin when they get hypocalcemia, um, and also it's going to stain with Congo red. My last question is which thyroid cancer mimics Rydell fibrosing thyroiditis, but with malignant cells? So this is anaplastic carcinoma. So that is all I have for y'all today. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments or concerns, visit our website at spoonfulofsugar.org and post them under the link for this episode. Best of luck with your studying and don't forget to check out all the other podcasts that we've done. Bye guys.